Welcome to Habits for Happiness with Lady Fuller. The path to happiness is paved with healthy habits. We spend much of our lives searching for happiness when the key we're looking for is right there inside of us. We can discover that key through habit change, which you're about to learn about. Now, here is your host, Lady Fuller. Hello and welcome to Habits for Happiness, the show where we discuss habits you can employ in your daily life to make you happier. Here on Habits for Happiness today to talk about the habit of lowering the bar for what I say no to and not doing the things I don't want to do. This is awesome. Is the best-selling author of Why Am I So Anxious, Dr. Tracy Marks. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Awesome. Well, let me give everyone your amazing bio. I'm going to edit it down so you can tell us about your your awesome life. But um, Dr. Marks broadcasts to over a million followers weekly. Very impressive. On her YouTube channel is a general and forensic psychiatrist of over 20 years. Dr. Marks' mission is to increase mental health awareness and understanding by educating people on psychiatric disorders mental well-being, and self-improvement. She believed that insights create change both on a micro level for your personal growth and a macro level reduction in fear and social judgment. And she has, of course, this thriving practice. And she is sought after by CNN and Headline News for forensic and general psychiatric commentary. And of course, Dr. Marks is the author of the beautiful book, Why Am I So Anxious?, which I had the wonderful pleasure of just finishing and was completely enlightening. And if you're interested in listening and how to lower your anxiety and do more of the things you want to do by by giving yourself permission to say no to the things you don't want to do, please keep listening. This episode is definitely for you. So again, welcome, Dr. Marks. Thank you. Yeah. Let's so, go. Uh, let's go. Yeah. So I think one of the things that that really resonated for me when I was, you know, organizing this day of us being able to chat is this book really spoke to me. Why am I so anxious? I mean, I'm a coach myself and I would say most people come to me. I don't think I have any clients that have ever come to me without anxiety. (laughs) It's something that I would say as a nation, we have, you know, a generalized level of anxiety. So really struck me is why write a book about anxiety? Like, why was that important to you to make that the topic? Well, you know, the, the opportunity for me to write this book came about in early 2021 And interestingly enough, uh, for me at that time, um, I was, you know, I was struggling myself in that 2020 was bad for all of us. But, you know, I was kind of perched and ready for the next bad thing and, you know, all of that hunkering down. (laughs) Yes. But when 2021 came and it was just kind of more of the same and mm-hmm. I was working harder, it was just a harder year for me, 2021, than 2020, despite the fact that was the height of the pandemic. But um, but my own issue is not why I wrote the book. I, I actually, it kind of stemmed the idea from it from my YouTube channel, where I talk about lots of things, depression, anxiety, lots of other issues. And people would comment, do you have anything written? Because I take notes. Right. So I decided I wanted to start making some written form of what I, I talk about. So I started with bipolar disorder. Um, and then this was next. And then a publisher, my publisher approached me about would I be interested in writing a book about anxiety? And I was like, well, you know, I was actually thinking about that. And so that's kind of how it came together. 
Yeah. And for those that that haven't read the book, um, it's available, I assume. it's. I know it's available on Amazon. That's where I got it. But your bookstore is near you. Um, and especially if you're you're interested in the different levels of of treatment for anxiety generalized or worse, there is so it's just like a manual. I mean, I was like, this is going to be taught. <laughs> this book is going to be used in schools because it really is such a textbook of all of the different disorders and treatments. And I and I think that's amazing. So what I really came up for me though is reading it. <laughs> I was trying to judge my own level of anxiety. Is it where on the spectrum do I fall? So could you tell listeners like that, you know, identify as having anxiety? How do you know if you need treatment beyond what you, what, for what you're experiencing? Like, how do you know if you need to, you know, go see someone and then, or go get acupuncture or be on medicine? How, like, where do you know where your anxiety falls? Sure. That's a great question because Anxiety is a normal emotion and reaction. Um, we instinctively react with fear to things that are threatening. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if I'm sitting on my deck in the backyard and I see a coyote walking in the distance, I am wired, hardwired to mm-hmm. fear that animal and want to do something about it, run, flee, whatever. So, um, we're built to have a reaction to things, um, but the issue then becomes uh, how often are you feeling this way and how much of a problem is it creating for you? So when we have a reaction, an anxiety or anxious or nervous reaction to something, that reaction should go away once the threat has been removed. Mm-hmm. And so it goes up and then it com- goes away and then you're good. You keep moving on. But for many people who suffer with anxiety that is more debilitating, they can have these these responses, whether it be in their mind, worrying, feeling angst, or having physical symptoms with no identifiable trigger. Mm -hmm. So something to think about when you're considering, you know, is this a problem? Is, Is it triggered by anything? Is it circumstantial? Even if it is circumstances, when the circumstances improve, do you feel better versus is it lingering? Is it starting to cause functional problems for you in your relationships? Um, are you, is it causing health problems for you? You know, long-term anxiety for some people can, you know, lead to headaches and um, high blood pressure, trouble sleeping, yeah. focus and concentration. So if all of those things are starting to become a problem that's when you really should look at either some serious self-help tools or seeing a professional for help. Yeah, totally. So, so you mentioned sleep and sleep's on my list to talk to you about, because I would say almost everyone who I work with experienced to some degree of sleep issues, whether that's, they can't fall asleep, they can't stay asleep, um, you know, all of these things. So, so talk to us about the relationship between anxiety and sleep and on the farther end, what can someone do about that? Okay. So you can think of anxiety as um, if it's, if it's present most of the day for you. So, so for example, going back to the issue of like something happening, uh, I almost get into a car accident, but I didn't. And my heart's up and racing. And I might even be worrying a little bit about, oh gosh, what's, what's going to, is this going to happen again? Kind of thing. Um, If it if you know let me let me pause a second because i've kind of gone down a rabbit hole sorry about that 
<laughs> that feeling that you can have of feeling really tightly wound um, or, or very anxious or uptight, if it persists for more than just that situation, it can interfere with your ability to mentally relax as well as physically relax. Mm -hmm. And so you may not be aware, say, at the end of the day that, you know, I, my dial is turned up a little too much. The way you will know is if you have trouble falling asleep. Our body can be very sensitive to being um, tightly wound or feeling anxious and that interfering with your mind being able to relax. So um, my what I usually recommend to people is to always make sure you have a proper wind down period yes. because it's hard to just work all day, do a bunch of stuff, and then, oops, it's 10 o'clock. Let me just go get in bed. Your mind's not ready for that. Right. Your mind has to have a period of decompressing and just doing something that gives you pleasure. So I tell people to all to give themselves an hour at least of decompression and then another hour if you can swing it of prepping for bed instead yeah. of expecting that when the day is done I'm just going to go get in bed. Yeah, and this is not Netflix and chill. This is <laughs> <laughs> That's right. This is a power down hour. That's right. It's a power down hour. Um, because even that kind of mental stimulation, even mm -hmm. if you enjoy it, is still mentally stimulating. And it, you may have a hard time uh, slowing your mind down in order to go to sleep. So it needs to be something that's that's not um, not very demanding on your thought right. process right. that you do right before bed. Yeah, I love that. So power down hour, everyone. This is one of the secrets to, to good sleep habits. And also to pivot a little bit in your book, you talk about if you know are self-diagnosed or diagnosed by a professional with the level of anxiety, there are obviously a plethora of medicines out there that are helpful for people and obviously need to be referred to it by a doctor. But you also talk about a lot of what I love is Eastern therapies, things that might be less popular. And I have a question. Do you have one that you favor? Because there were so many. <laughs> yes. Um, hmm. So uh, this was probably obvious from reading the book that my absolute favorite, um, I guess, complementary and alternative approach is aromatherapy or essential oils. Now, that, that's yeah. not Eastern but it can be combined with say meditation to kind of uh, have a deepening of, a, of an experience through using aromatherapy plus meditation. But um, I absolutely love essential oils. And, you know, I know they're not new, but one thing that I think um, people don't realize or kind of put together mm -hmm. with, you know, essential oils is the more contemporary version of focus on essential oils is the focus on CBD and cannabis. Yeah. yeah. That's a plant and that's plant medicine as well. So this is, this isn't much different from that. It's just different kinds of chemicals that we're using. Um, so I would say um, I, I create, or I made up a sleep oil that recipe mm -hmm. is in the book that I use before part of my wind down period. I put the oil on my chest. Um, I enjoy diffusing in the room as well. 
Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. And in the book, you touch on this. So this is not, I'm not asking you an overly personal question, but do you have anxiety and what do you do to help with it? What do, what's your treatment? Yeah. So <laughs> I talk about, uh, I, I realized in writing this book, I, I realized I had more anxiety than I thought. Like, I don't think of myself as particularly anxious all the time and things. And I'm, I probably still am not, but I do have hangups and issues. <laughs> and so the most common um, anxiety disorder actually are phobias. And one really? of mine, yeah, actually different types of phobias. Social phobia is only one of those, but different types of, of specific phobias. And for me, it's roaches. Now, how do I'm I deal with that? Enough. Girl, I know about roaches. <laughs> they I, fly, everyone. In they the South, do. They fly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so um, I was traumatized on a few occasions by being attacked, as I call it, by flying roaches in Florida. And so um, I have no tolerance for them. If I see one, it can ruin my day, actually. So really? I do a lot to kind of just make sure the house is clean and things like that so we can keep roaches away. I'm not trying to desensitize myself to that you know, by <laughs> exposing myself and touching them. I could do those things, but I am, I'm perfectly content living my life not wanting to ever see roaches. Um, you, but, you and probably everyone else listening. <laughs> You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's Especially normal. the flying kind. The flying kind are are treacherous. <laughs> they are. They're, not, they're just They're not oh dangerous, but they are really, they can be scary. It makes perfect sense to have a phobia around flying, large southern flying roaches. <laughs> <laughs> but the one that's probably uh, the bigger issue is um, traveling and being uh afraid that I've I've left something behind, like mm -hmm. my ID or something. I'm going to get to the airport and I don't have something. And so with that, I will, I have to do a lot of self-talk of you can do this. Um, you you did put your ID and everything over here in this spot. Um, that is sufficient. I don't need to keep checking, like things like that. And just kind of resisting the urge to check when I become anxious. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a that actually is a technique that's used um, for treating obsessive compulsive issues or compulsions of exposing yourself to the thing that that you fear. Like I'm I'm afraid that I don't have my ID and we're in the car. Well, I've already checked it twice, so I don't need to look again. And talking myself down from that urge to check another time because the more you check the more it reinforces that that's what you need to do to feel better. I need to find yeah. a different way to feel better about the fact that I, I, I know that I have it and I don't need to keep checking. We need to get you one of those ID holders that goes on the back of your phone. <laughs> so it's all together right. and you can just hold it like this. <laughs> but then I'll worry that it just slipped out somewhere. Slipped out. You know? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. So exposure therapy is the way, you know, just self-talk, what I hear you saying, and also just um, exposing yourself to, you know, what you're in the OCD realm, what you're sort of experiencing a compulsion over. Yes. So what happens is with OCD or OCD-like situations, because you mm -hmm. can have obsessions and compulsions and not necessarily have the full-blown disorder. 
Yeah, so I mean, there's a spectrum for all of these there, things, right? There's a spectrum for all of these things. So you can have aspects of them. So with this or my situation, um, it's only, this only comes out with certain situations like travel, for example. So I have this obsession in my head that I'm going to leave these things behind. And so part of the way I deal with that is sitting with that discomfort and that um, um, uncertainty and finding a different way to calm myself. And in in this case, it's some self-talk, some um, just being quiet and breathing and letting that pass. So that could apply to anyone's situation who maybe has, uh, if you have trouble obsessing about things and then you find yourself kind of doing things, checking is a very common response to that kind of worry, um, is letting yourself experience the the angst sit with it and process it because when you avoid like you either succumb to the fear by checking or you avoid situations because uh they because you're fearful of them when you avoid that builds the fear even more just stokes the fire and just reinforces the fear so avoidance yeah of fearful situations actually makes the fear grow larger. This is really important. I'm just going to repeat that. The avoidance of fearful situations only makes the fear grow larger because is it because, and this is a question, the story in our head about what the fear is, is bigger than maybe the actual thing. Correct. Correct. It's magnified in our minds and the, and we overestimate the consequences of whatever it is you're fearing. Yeah. So. No. So, so interestingly, <laughs> last night I was on a plane returning from a work trip and I was a very short commuter plane from Denver to the mountains where I live. And I was stuck on the runway for about an hour um, for various reasons, but my children, I was supposed to pick up from um, lacrosse and football practice. And so I, they, they are 10 and 12. I had a phone. I could tell them to wait, but I was having severe anxiety. I don't normally have anxiety. It was so funny. I was listening to the end of your book and I was like, here I am practicing these things, but it was a real world example of, I couldn't control the plane, right? I wasn't in control of the plane. I couldn't control the outcome, which was, I was going to be late to pick up my children. And I started to panic. I really had like a panic attack, the beginnings of what I would panic attack. And I just started to breathe and I started to tell myself with your book's help, your help, that it was going to be okay, that my children were going to be okay. I was in touch with them, that it was still light outside. You know, I live in a very safe area um, that, you know, being 30 minutes late to pick them up wasn't the end of the world. Um, You know, I'm not a terrible parent. I went down that rabbit hole, but it was interesting to experience as we experience the motions come up. I named it. I did what you asked. I said, I am feeling like I'm having a panic attack and I'm stuck on this plane. What can I do about it? And I just started breathing and telling myself positive things. And it was like, you know, like all of our emotions, it was like a wave and it crested and then it just sort of dissipated. Awesome. But it was interesting because, you know, when you were feeling like that for everyone listening, I mean, we could feel like, I felt like that was the worst feeling ever and it wasn't going to go away. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so being able to name it and claim it and sit with it is what you're saying allows us to sort of ride the wave and move on. That's right. Yeah. What you're talking about is 
affective labeling. So it's a uh, it's a cognitive exercise of attaching a, a word or 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 an emotion like trying as accurately as possible to identify how you feel in the moment. And it seems very basic. Like, well, what does that do? Just me saying I'm <laughs> <does>. angry. <laughs> but I'm really angry right now. <laughs> I'm really angry. Okay. Now I'm not angry anymore. Cause I said it. No. <laughs> but what it does is, you know, often um, people struggle more than they realize with knowing how you really feel about something in a moment. Like you might say, yeah, I, I know I feel bad, but how, what kind of bad? Is it anger? Is it shame? Is it sadness? Is it, there's, there's lots of different way forms that that bad emotion can take. Um, you know, am I feeling disregarded by people mm-hmm. or disrespected? So that's a different kind of bad than feeling angry and being able to get clearer on how something actually made you feel takes diffuses the emotion, takes some of the power and strength out of it and, and mm-hmm. makes it um, less distressing. Yeah. Just like yeah. you experienced in, on the plane. Yeah. And so I love this idea of being able to like lessen the power of our emotions. I mean, would you label anxiety as a, an emotion? I would. I mean, it's, it's multifold. It's, it's, it's a reaction, uh, as well as an emotion of feeling anxious. Yeah. So one of the things that's so amazing is being able to like put space between yourself and the, and the anxiety. So it's happening but you aren't the anxiety, right? I mean, this sounds very Buddhist, but just because you're experiencing anxiety, you know, you as a person will are going to survive and the anxiety is going to dissipate, you know, like the wave, right? With <laughs> these things come in waves mm-hmm. that they won't last forever. That's right. So, so I'd love to talk about the habit you chose because this one, especially for us post-COVID world, is so amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this could be this could be you know chalked up to before COVID, many of us having FOMO, and after COVID, most of us having jo- JOMO, as what I say, of joy of missing out. But here we are with this idea of being able to say no and feeling good about it. That's my shortened. That's my shortened of your habit. So tell me what made you chose this habit. Choose this habit. Um, I chose this habit because, um, it, it, it probably is the one that goes deeper than it, it, it goes deep and changes my attitude and outlook and also helps me take better, better care of myself Mm. versus say a habit of, um, doing stretching or yoga. Um, that's something I started doing in the pandemic. Um, but that, does that make me happy? I like the way I feel afterwards and I'm glad I'm doing it, but it doesn't move the needle that much as far as overall self-care. So um, I, my, my constitution is one to feel guilty for not helping the world, you know, or <laughs> for not helping everyone. So my bar for um, if someone asked me to help them with something, uh, for me to say no, my bar to say no is if I have nothing else to do. So 
if I'm sitting on a Sunday afternoon and someone's like, oh, can you come to this thing? If I'm not doing anything, I feel like I have to say yes. Versus now it's, I say no, if I just don't want to. And it's okay for me to have nothing else to do. Having nothing to do is something I need to have. I need to have nothing else to do sometimes. Yeah, having nothing to do is a great luxury. It is. <laughs> <laughs> and it should be just kind of basic, um, a basic necessity versus mm-hmm. this thing that, you know, well, why don't, if I don't have anything else to do, go fill my time doing this over here. And that's what I tended to do all the time. Um. And then an, another another layer of that is with me accepting that it's okay for me to say no to something is me being able to say no because I don't want to versus no because I can't do it. I always feel like I have to couch it as sorry, I can't instead of just saying no. Yeah. So I'm, that's still a work in progress because then I, I feel like I'm being mean if I just say no, and I don't have a good reason or excuse. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to go to a break, but I want to put a pin in this because this is so amazing. This having to be able to, to strengthen the habit of having personal boundaries about what we say no to is like a habit that most human beings on this planet really don't know they have permission to exercise. And it, right. it's, it's liberation, people being able to say no, a beautiful, graceful no, not a mean, harsh no, a beautiful, graceful no is liberation. And I'm so excited to talk about it after the break. We're going to head to breaks. Everybody hang in there. And when we come back, we will teach you with Dr. Marks how to say no and say yes to yourself. Everybody hang tight. Try out a free coaching session with your host, Lady Fuller, to learn more about her individualized and corporate coaching programs. Learn to drop bad habits and pick up healthier habits to live a healthier life. Email her at lady at happinessmba.com. That's L-A-D-Y at happinessmba.com. Or check out our coaching business at habits, the letter for happiness.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Want to reward clients, customers, or employees with a gift that will blow their socks off? We at International Gifting Company have your next corporate event covered. We carry 250 personalized gifts for on-site incentive events. Or we can create virtual gift boxes your employees and clients can receive at home. Contact us today for a quick and free proposal. We love to wow! Contact info at intlgiftingco.com or check out our webpage at intlgiftingco.com. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. 
You are listening to Habits for Happiness. To reach the show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Now, back to our program, and here again is Lady Fuller. Thanks, everyone, for hanging in there. We're back here with the beautiful and wise Dr. Tracy Marks and discussing her book, Um, Why Am I So Anxious? And one of the things that we're talking about, probably the main habit that we're getting to is lowering the bar for what we say no to and doing not doing the things we don't want to do. And so when Dr. Marks chose this habit, my question to you is, as this is something new sort of in your life that you're perfecting, like what was the catalyst for change? Like where were you and what happened where you decided I'm going to start saying no to the things that I don't want to do without tremendous amount of explanation? Yeah, I think I think it finally came to me over 2021 when I just got super busy with things. So everything went or most things went from uh, offline to online. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was seeing more patients uh, through video, but um, with COVID issues and all of that. And um, I I got very close to burning out from just um, being too busy. And so I had to kind of step back um, and look at why am I, what am I busy doing? Okay. We mm. all have to work. Okay. Yes, I'm working, but what else am I doing? And so I just kind of started paying closer attention. Uh, my, my husband's a very relaxed guy and <laughs> you know, I'm like, how is he so relaxed? And then I looked at what he does and what I'm doing. And there's a huge discrepancy there. <laughs> Um, <laughs> tell us what he's doing. I mean, he's tell us why he's so relaxed. It just may be nature. <laughs> you know, he puts things in place uh, that I still can't go down that road. But like he lets his voicemail still stay full, for example, so people can't leave messages. Well, I that's a great strategy. <laughs> I know it's you know no if you don't if he doesn't pick up you don't get him. Well, I've been the first responder in my family forever. Uh, so when my cell phone rings and I don't recognize the number, I get anxious, um, mm-hmm. of, oh, is my child okay? Like that's kind of the mindset I had, you know, with a, a smaller child, that's less the issue now, but I, I realized that, um, I was doing a lot to take care of people and I need to pull back a little bit to let them do some of these things for themselves. Mm-hmm. So someone says, Hey, have you seen my keys? And I'm up looking around for their keys. <laughs> and he's sitting on the couch waiting for me to find his keys. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> when we think that, you know, a lot of the things I work on with clients is we feel oftentimes us overgivers out there can feel we're responsible for everyone, especially mothers, right? Yeah. Responsible for the people. And it's dangerous because then we believe we're responsible for their feelings. And we are responsible to our children to some degree, but we are not responsible for others really beyond ourselves, especially into their feelings. And it is quite liberating to know that, but much more difficult to put into practice. It is difficult to put into practice. It's hard to just watch someone suffer or uh, have to deal with negative feelings that if you've been in the habit of trying to help them not hurt by doing mm-hmm. stuff for them. And um, so, yeah, I had to 
make myself or accept that I can't save everyone, that sometimes mm-hmm. there's just going to be these consequences. And me watching this person deal with their consequences is not being mean because I didn't step in and save. Um, mm-hmm. That's how I saw it from as an mm-hmm. overgiver, as you say, mm-hmm. of, you know, I should have, I could have done this. What else could I have done? That's kind of my knee jerk reaction. Well, what else can I do or could have done? So, um, so yeah, I think going back to your question of what was the trigger, I think the trigger was me noticing that I was more irritable and that little things would make me angry or annoyed. Mm-hmm. And I realized my fuse is really short because I'm overdoing things. So you reached I your getting to... threshold. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have re- I have stepped over that threshold and now I need to unload some of this stuff. And not Mm -hmm. let other stuff pile on. So unload things and then not let too many other things pile on. Yeah. Because we all need need some space for just recuperation, right? I mean, that's part of like our ability to be, you know, high-performing humans. We can't, you know, I I say to people recently, I had Ari Maisel on the show last week, who is his big proponent of working less and living more, right? And he talks about this concept that our brains are like a Fabergé egg. Those are my words, not his. And if if we load them and do too much, then it's like taking our most valuable asset or one of our most valuable assets and like running it into the ground. We actually can't expect it then to perform in the beautiful way it's meant to perform for us. Right. right. So if we had a, a really nice computer or other things that we, you know, really valued, we would take really good care of them. And by saying no is what I hear you saying and taking time for yourself is, is the taking care piece. Right. That's right. Right. That's one. So it is about setting these kinds of boundaries for yourself. Uh, but before you get to the point of setting the boundary, you have to do some introspection mm-hmm. to recognize um, how are you take how are you taking care of yourself? What are how what are some of the ways that you're not taking care of yourself and maybe putting um, what are some of the things that you're doing? that's soul sucking. Is that something that you can control? Um, you know, someone could have a job that that they spend nine hours a day in and they come home at the end of the day unhappy, but they don't have another option. So they've got to work. So what are ways that you can minimize the negative effect of that job? Mm-hmm. Are you doing more things than you need to be doing at work. No one's asking you to do these things. You're just doing them. Um, is there ways, are there ways you can trim that down? If not, if you're doing everything you're supposed to do, but you just are unhappy because you don't like your job, then that means when you are, when you leave that job, you've got to find other things that give you joy and spend time focusing on those things and spend more of your time in those things. Yeah, to balance yeah. out yeah. what you're what you're not getting from your work. Yeah. So if someone asks you to do something, and first of all, I just want to go back. I love this so much. This idea, like, make a soul sucking list. Do less of that. <laughs> That's <laughs> <So> right. Basic. <laughs> then do more of the joy list. Right. I have people a lot of times write down um, what's on their happiness playlist. Like, they're, what what are the mm. things that make them happy? And then, how often have you done those things? 
Yes. Like when's the last time did you do any of those things? Most people haven't done many of them lately. Right. So it's, it's it's sort of this, this weight, you know, what's on your soul sucking list, what's on your happiness playlist, do more of those. But I want to go back to this idea of saying no, because this is like a, like a very specific piece of that, right. Is sort of clearing the decks for yourself and without, without shame around it. Right. I heard you correctly. So when you started to do this, what happened? I, um, I felt very good about it. <laughs> it was a lot of satisfaction. <laughs> I have a lot of time. <laughs> I have a lot of time. And, you know, so a concrete example of where it started or one place it started was um, in um, being asked to do certain types of work that uh, was poorly compensated for me in my mm. job. And um, I said, I'm not, and, and poorly compensated in that, you know, people not paying on time. These were third-party payers and yeah. you go, I try and get reimbursed or get paid for my services. And I'm treated as though I, they're doing me a favor by paying me six months later, things like that. So I started just saying, I'm not going to see your clients anymore because you don't know how, you don't treat me well, and yeah. I'm not going to do this for free and not get paid, et cetera. Um, you know, there was some push, well, there really wasn't pushback, but there was the, oh, I'm so sorry. You're not, you're not taking patients anymore, et cetera. Um, and, but I still felt like, well, you burned your bridge with me and I had a good reason to stop doing this. And it felt very freeing to Mm. be able to say, um, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. I had a little bit of disappointment in myself of, Gosh, I can't believe how long I let this problem go. Yeah. Yeah. When we just go ahead. Yeah. And just let these people, you know, do this for so long. I should have stopped this ages ago. But now that I have stopped, I'm happy that I stopped. Yeah. It's amazing when we start to have boundaries, right? Around what we're willing to say no to or give ourselves permission to say no to, how hindsight becomes obviously 2020 plus. But also for me, you know, I grew up in a family where I didn't know about boundaries. You know, I didn't know that there was, I had a right to ask for things that way. And so I became overly tolerant in my life of things that I should be saying no to. And in lots of different examples. And when I start as as becoming more spiritually mature and asking um, and having, holding boundaries, which wasn't even that long ago in my life, it was amazing what happened, not only the freedom that you described, but also that people respected the boundaries. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> yeah, I have the power to have a boundary and for people to actually follow it. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, here's a more uh, personal example. So um, whenever we go on a trip, uh, I'm the one who makes the arrangements and my husband will start, I can talk about him because I know he'll never listen. <laughs> we'll start asking Something he said months- too. Yeah. Yeah. he'll start asking me months ahead of time what time are we leaving and what are the details and da 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 and what what will that mean for me i'll stop what i'm doing go search my uh through my notes or my emails to find that itinerary then give it to him and then two weeks later he'll ask me the same thing 
So I've, I started saying, here, here's the details of our trip. You save it in your notes so that you can go back and look every week like you like to do. So recently he asked me, could you send me um, our trip itinerary again for some, somewhere we're going next year? And I pulled, I said what I think he would say is, I don't know where it is, but just go look in your phone and see if you see it from when I sent it to you before. And I thought he would see that as mean. Instead, he said, okay. And I thought, <laughs> You're like, I could have been doing that ago. the whole time. Yes. <laughs> but you know, again, he's asking me for something. And I feel like if I don't know the answer, I need to go find the answer for him. He doesn't do that. If I ask him something and he doesn't know off the top of his head, he'll just say, I don't know. So, yeah. okay. I don't yeah. know either. And I'm not going to spend 15 minutes looking for this. Yeah. It's amazing. This ability to say no. And then tell us more about the not over explaining. So you had said that before the break that you were starting to say no to things to give yourself sort of this uh, yes. white space, but then not having to say, um, qualify it with a reason. Right. <clears throat> so yes. So that increased my power even more to be able to say no, because I don't have to justify it with a good enough reason or feel like I need to have a good enough reason to even say no in the first place. So if um, probably the biggest uh, example of this is if someone wants me or invites me to do something or wants me to do something at a time where I don't have anything to do, I'm, t I, you know, a couple hours of doing nothing. Um, I'll go ahead and say no. Um, and I, and instead of saying, um, you know, I don't feel like I can say no, because I'm busy. I'm not busy. Um, so I'll just say no. <laughs> or I might try and offer, you know, no, I can't do that today but I might in a couple of weeks. So mm -hmm. check back then or something like that. You know, if it's a friend, I'm not going to just be coldly. No, <laughs> no, don't call me anymore. I lose my yeah, number. A, no. <laughs> I feel like I need to give them a little bit more. Yes. But yes. Yeah. The, the knee jerk before would have been to over explain about why I can't do it. Um, I, I stopped taking new patients. I'll be asked lots of times, can you, can you squeeze me in or can you squeeze in this patient for me like a colleague? Um, and instead of saying, I'm just so busy, I'm sorry, I can't, I'll just say, no, I'm not taking new patients, sorry. Yeah, that's a good one too, right? Like the universe gives you these tests and be, being able to sort of like press on those boundaries to make sure they're solid, right? Because if you decide again, you're not taking new patients, you'll be asked over and over to take the new patients. Right. So you have to build that muscle, that new boundary of, you know, thank you so much, but not at this yeah. time, right? And I have to reinforce with myself, this is okay. Like not wanting to do it is okay. I don't have to want to do it. And if I don't want to do it, I don't have to. <laughs> uh, and I don't have to uh, give a reason for why I don't want to do it. I just, it's not something that's going to make me happy to do. So I'm not going to do it for that reason. And I'm important. Like I'll have to, I'm still, mm. I'm not, I'm not the greatest of this. I still have to say this stuff to myself. Like mm -hmm. my desires are important. If I want to sit here and just watch House of the Dragon and not go over <laughs> here and do this thing, then that's what I'm going to do because that, that I enjoy that and mm -hmm. I'm fine 
sitting and enjoying something. I need to be able to enjoy things from yeah. time to time. Like that's the kind of self-talk. Yeah. And I'm worth it. And I'm worth it. That's right. Yeah. Because, you know, with everyone I work with at the basic level, you know, I just actually was meeting with a CEO before this call and I was telling him, you know, at the base level, everyone, if you're a CEO, if you're a housewife, if, you know, teenager, whatever, we all have this core fear that we're not enough. Right. And so most of us develop behaviors and that might be why we're all so anxious, but, you know, have other ways that we deal with that. And for a lot of women, especially we overgive to validate ourselves and say yes to things. And, and this is for men too. And this ability to say, no, thank you very much. And no, is of saying like, I am enough mm -hmm. and I deserve to have some peace. You know, that's right. It's we're I'm a human being, not a human doing. And if I want to sit here and, you know, watch Real Housewives, I'm going to do that. Not that I watch that. But <laughs> nothing wrong with Real it's Housewives. Okay. It's okay. But if whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. Going to do that. Yeah, I love that. You know, I had a friend I met a couple of years ago, and when I first met him, we were talking about this topic actually, and he was saying, you know, when you say no to things, the, you don't have to explain why not. And I was like, really? Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> I've never wow. heard of that. And my first response was that if I if I say no to things and I don't explain that people are actually going to be mad at me, right? They're going to think ill of me. But what I realized is that people have respect for people who hold boundaries. They do. They do. And if you let them push the boundaries, um, they don't gain, they don't, they don't, you don't gain any favors. Like they, they don't look at it as, oh, you're such, you're a great person because you let me, let me talk you into this. They just know that they can, you don't really have boundaries so they can come back next time. Mm -hmm. And when we don't have boundaries, people have less respect for us and they treat us, treat us less favorably, I think, at least That's in right. my own experience. And it's the inverse of what we're taught, though. We're taught, like, if we turn ourselves into a pretzel, like, we'll have all these friends. <laughs> but the opposite is true. If we can hold boundaries, we garner respect. That's right. That's right. And, so and we, we got to stay garner, firm with them. And we garner self-respect, too. Yeah. Which is and the more self-respect you have, the stronger you get with that, the better, the easier it will come to have boundaries, whether that boundary is saying, no, that's just one kind of boundary. Um, but the, the, the greater you'll be able to set your boundaries and not let people cross them. Yeah. The more respect you have for yourself. Yeah. No, I love that so much. Well, tell us how can people find more of you? So they want you to speak, they want to have book signing, whatever they want. I know you're not taking new clients, but <laughs> everything <laughs> right. else or your YouTube channel, tell us how they can find you. Yeah. So my main hub is my website, markpsychiatry.com. And that has all of my, that has contact information there as well as my social media uh, handles. But I'm on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok under this all the same handle, Dr. Tracy Marks, D-R, and then Tracy E-Y Marks. And um, so yeah, that's that's I'm I'm all over the place. I mean, yeah, and where find. can people buy your book? They can buy it on Amazon. They can buy it on Amazon. So it comes in hardcover, 
uh, digital and audio, if you're an audio listener, and um, you can get it pretty much wherever books are sold, but Amazon as well, but barnesandnoblebookshop.org, um, lots of different places. Oh, good. Well, what do you want like people to take away from this conversation or take away from your book? Like, What is the big aha that you want people to have about anxiety and themselves? I think from the book, I wanted people to take away, to have come walk away with a deeper understanding of the things that makes them anxious um, and how, how anxiety can come and, and ebb and flow in their lives. Mm-hmm. So even mm-hmm. if you don't have an anxiety disorder per se, you can still experience um, uncomfortable or anxiety that gets in the way of your daily functions but it doesn't have to stay that way. It can also just kind of recede and go back into the background. And when it comes, when there comes those times where it becomes less manageable for you, there are lots of options. One of the problems with all of the self-help tools and options um, that I talk about in the book is that it's not always clear what to do when. (laughs) So there's so much stuff and how do you know what to do? And not one thing will, will take care of everything. You mm. have to layer options or layer mm-hmm. the tools. Mm-hmm. And so I want in the book, I tell you what to use when and show you how to do it and give you a better idea of how to create your own toolbox of yeah. coping skills and coping mechanisms. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I really came up for me through reading it was, you know, we are rushing and rushing and rushing through our lives, as I can say, at least in the US. And we also, I I don't know the data, you would probably know, but we have more anxiety in the US than we ever have before, right? People are high and anxious. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I stopped drinking, which was really the reason why I drank was because I had such bad anxiety and I use it as a buffer, but I found over time that actually the wine I was drinking was giving me more anxiety. <laughs> so it was really working, but it was a coping mechanism to keep me safe from what I perceived as dangers that I actually had to reorganize my life to be quiet enough so that I could keep my anxiety or the things that really trust me at bay. And it was interesting that I, it was exactly what you described. It was a whole plethora of things. It was yoga and meditation and good habits and a quiet life and a quiet house and saying no Mm. and all of these things so that I could have peace, right? Because that's that's what I craved, right? right. And, And I see that as sort of the other side of anxiety is peace. Is peace. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's perfect. That's well, on that exactly note, what it is. <laughs> on that note, we're going to go. I could talk to you all day. It's been such a pleasure. But um, thank you, Dr. Tracy Marks, for being here and sharing your wisdom uh, with us. And everybody, tune in next week for another riveting habit that could change your life. Thanks, guys. Thank you for tuning in to Habits for Happiness. Please join Lady Fuller for another edition of the program next Friday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, discover how to find your new happy place.